Well, Hong Kong will have a new chief executive. Frank Lee was elected by nearly all 1,500 members of the election committee. He, in fact, was the only official candidate. Lee is the first security official to take over Hong Kong's top job. And not just any security security official. Lee oversaw the crackdown on Hong Kong's pro-democracy movement in recent years. The result, not surprisingly, was lauded by authorities in Beijing who supported him. So what does this mean for the so-called special minister of region, home to more than 7 million people? Joining me now from Hong Kong is journalist Frank Ching with more. Frank, you th- thank you so much for your time tonight. Oh, you're very welcome. <laughs> Tell me a bit more about John Lee. I, I I knew the name, but I didn't know much about him. Was he um, was he a sh- was he the obvious choice to replace Carrie Lam in that position? Well, uh, no, not I think not from uh, many people's standpoint, but from China's standpoint, he probably was the obvious choice uh, <laughs> in that he was the the head of security. Uh, you know. He's had a 45-year career in the Hong Kong government, uh, almost all of that time with the police force of the security branch. Uh, so he worked very closely with the uh, PRC, the Chinese government, uh, during the crackdown of, on uh, 2019 riots in Hong Kong. 2019, 2020, 2020, China, of course, imposed the national security law in Hong Kong and uh, he was the one who had to implement it in Hong Kong since he was the Secretary for Security. Uh, so I think uh, the Chinese government liked the way uh, he approached the issues, uh, and um, uh, they wanted somebody uh, like him to be head of the government after Carrie Lam. Carrie Lam, I think, uh, was a disappointment to them. Um this was by even by Hong Kong standards. This felt like less of an election, free, you know, free and fair than in the past. <laughs> the voting laws were changed right before this one. He was the only yes, candidate. Yes. Um, that 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 is a, a bit of even a, that's a break from the norm, even by Hong Kong standards. Well, this, this is a new uh, election setup. Uh, they've they've never had had it like this before. But uh, in the past, it was clear that. Uh, the the winning candidate was always the one that China preferred. Uh, but then uh, most of the time there were other candidates involved, and so it looked as though there was a choice. But this time uh, they eliminated that appearance of choice, and there was only one candidate. And uh, China made it clear that John Lee was their choice and that they would not support anybody else, no other candidate. Uh, so... He got 99% of the vote <laughs> of I the uh, election committee. There, yeah, I there noticed were, he got eight, eight, were eight, eight votes eight against. votes that did yeah. not support him. <laughs> lucky, eight, lucky number eight. Yeah. Um, what does that mean? I mean, it, 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 so much has happened in Hong Kong over the last few years. What sort of qualifications does David Lee have to run what is essentially the financial hub of Asia? You know, this is a very important economic uh, engine, uh, but here's a man who really only has security experience. Is he up to the task of, of governing Hong Kong? Yes, well, uh, John Lee has a lot of experience on the security side, but he has no experience in, in finance, uh, health, social welfare, and, and stuff like that. So he will have to uh, 
rely on other people. Of course, he he's going to have uh, a lot of support and advice from the uh, from China's liaison office in Hong Kong. Uh, I think they are the ones who got all these people to support him, to support his election campaign, and now they will advise him on who he should install uh, in his administration. Um, it's very likely that he will keep the, the current financial secretary. Uh, you, he may well keep the current secretary for uh, for law. So uh, there are people uh, around that he can pick, but he, he will also need to pick some new people, uh, people who can think outside the box uh, and people who are not... Uh, who don't have a one-track mind, who only think in terms of security. When I was reading a bit about what he had planned, he's talking about additional security laws, more patriotic education. Um, You've already mentioned this, but he very much feels like Beijing's man in Hong Kong. And I I wonder what that means for the city, considering what what a very difficult few six months it's been, but what a very difficult few years it's been for Hong Kong. Yes, well, I think, uh, you know, according to the basic law, the chief executive is accountable to two masters, the central government in Beijing and Hong Kong, that is the people of Hong Kong. And John Lee was asked by a reporter uh, how he was going to balance this. How is he going to make sure that the interests of the people of Hong Kong uh, looked after. And he said, oh, there's no problem because uh, the uh, Chinese uh, interests are identical with the Hong Kong people's interests. Uh, everybody wants Hong Kong to do well, to develop, and so there is no conflict. Now, I think uh, on the surface you can say that, but uh, if you look at it a little more closely, uh, in areas like human rights, uh, there certainly is conflict. Um, you know, people in Hong Kong uh, want to make sure that their their rights and freedoms are are respected, and uh, China doesn't have a very good history in that in that regard. Frank, when I used to live in Beijing uh, as a reporter, we used to travel to Hong Kong, and I remember what a liberating mm-hmm. experience it was to land in Hong Kong because you could go yeah. buy English books, you could go buy. St- it was just it felt like being back somewhere that was freer, if I can yep. put it that way. Yes. Does it still feel that way? Oh, I think uh, much less so. I mean, I, I used to be uh, based in Beijing also. I right. was a correspondent in China, and every time yep. I came out to Hong Kong, I, I know the difference. It was certainly a, a great feeling of uh, relief, like you're in a different mm-hmm. society entirely. Uh, and now uh, that quality uh, in Hong Kong is is changed. Um, a lot of it is gone, and people have to be careful about what they say, what they write. Uh, so uh, I'm afraid uh, Hong Kong uh, has deteriorated in that regard. Um, and the, the current uh, chief executive, Kerry Lam, and also um, the, the new one, uh, John Lee, insists that uh, human rights and other rights are looked after they're in the law, and they will continue to be uh, respected. However, the new national security law overrides everything else. And uh, you can say things uh, that you think you have the right to because of uh, 
freedom of speech, but then they can say, well, you're undermining the government. You're doing this and that. And that that is not just speech, that's an act. Uh, so I, I think uh, we probably will see more cases of this coming up. And the judiciary, uh, I think, has not yet taken a very clear position on, on this issue. In fact, the judiciary has let cases sort of um, not go to trial. Now, there are a lot of people in Hong Kong now who have uh, been imprisoned, basically, for over a year and, and not gone to trial because there's so many people who've been arrested and, and there are not enough courts, not enough magistrates and judges to hear of the, all these cases. And the Department of Justice uh, keeps asking for more time to prepare their cases. And, and this means that the defendants actually are being denied their, their right to have their cases heard uh, promptly. After this, we'll take a quick break. I want to. I, I was about to ask you about whether this crackdown on free press, this crackdown on free expression, what happens to the protest movements, uh, but we'll take a quick break and get to that right after this. We're in Hong Kong this half hour speaking with uh, journalist Frank Cheng, who opened, uh, I believe, the Beijing Bureau for the Wall Street Journal, if I'm not mistaken, uh, back in the late 70s. Uh, we're talking about the election of John Lee, a former security official, to the position of chief executive, the top job in Hong Kong. He will replace Carrie Lam. Uh, John Lee was the security official who oversaw the crackdown on pro-democracy protest, protests in the city uh, in recent years. And we're talking about what that implies for Hong Kong's uh, near future. Uh, certainly uh, what Beijing would like to see, no doubt. Um, when I look at what's happened in Hong Kong in the last little while, sp specifically with COVID and the zero COVID policy, um, what's the mood like there these days, Frank? I, I, I haven't seen a lot of protests, but I imagine people are very tired. Uh, yeah, they <laughs> There are no protests um, uh, of the kind that we saw back in 2019, 2020. Uh, for one thing, because of COVID, the government has an excuse. It will not allow any gathering of people. So the, the annual uh, June 4th um, candlelight vigil uh, was, was uh, not allowed um, last year and the year before on health grounds. Uh, I, I doubt if uh, they will ever allow it again. Uh, but uh, this COVID thing seems to be uh, going on and on, I don't know for how much longer, certainly uh, this year and, and next year at least. Uh, so I think the government will have, will have this fallback position uh, of uh, not allowing gatherings uh, very, very easily. So no protests. And anyone who, who does protest will be attending an illegal assembly <laughs> uh, with a uh, prison term attached. Uh, right. uh, for listeners that, who may forget, Hong Kong on June 4th, which is the anniversary of Tiananmen Square uh, in, in Beijing, a, a day which is blacked out in China, is always commemorated in Hong Kong. And that used to go on every year and is no longer. Sorry, Frank, go ahead. Yeah, uh, that's right. And Hong Kong, of course, was the only place uh, in, in China that uh, continues to commemorate this from 1989 on until uh, several years ago. Uh, and, it, and it became sort of a tradition. It was, it was done openly, uh, and a lot of people went. Thousands, tens of thousands of people every year went. And now the government says, you can't do this, 
You cannot even say you're going to Victoria Park to attend something, even if there's no gathering. If you say, I'm going there, uh, you are encouraging an illegal assembly. Uh, right. So this this makes uh, the atmosphere entirely different from before. Uh, so there are no, no gatherings, uh, no uh, protests to speak of. Uh, during the, I think during the uh, election, so-called election of uh, John Lee, there was a part, political party that had three people staged sort of a protest, but, but uh, uh, not, nothing happened. I, I think that, um, but we ought to look at John Lee in the, in the history of um, um, chief executives in Hong Kong. Actually, he is very similar to a lot of his predecessors in many ways. You know, he went to a missionary school. Uh, he was taught by the Jesuits in Hong Kong. He's a Catholic. Um, like Carrie Lam was a Catholic. Donald Chang was a Catholic. They, they both also went to Catholic missionary schools in Hong Kong. Uh, those are the best schools, and and the, the, the people they educated became the elite in Hong Kong. Uh, John Lee, it seems, was always very low-key. Uh, he did very well in his uh, school-leaving exam, but he and he applied for the university and he was admitted, but he did not go, I think, for financial reasons. So instead, he joined the police force at the age of 19 uh, as a probationary inspector and, and stayed there uh, for <laughs> several decades. Uh, he, and in the police force, there was um, they sponsored a self-taught uh, um, program in conjunction with a university in Australia, I think. Uh, right. And he got a, a master's degree in public policy from Charles Sturt uh, University in Australia. So when, when people say that he doesn't have a degree, he says, "Well, I do have a degree." Uh, right, <laughs> but that that is similar to Donald Trump. Donald Trump didn't go to university. Uh, eventually, he went to Harvard, took a, a short course, uh, and uh, that was his degree. Uh, so, so I think that he, in many ways, he uh, is a traditional Hong Kong chief executive, except nobody else has, has been uh, solely in the security realm. Right, which which certainly implies, at least from from the surface, that that that's who Beijing wants in power right now is someone who knows how yeah. to handle the security uh, of of. What about just in terms of Hong Kong's international reputation? I remember Hong Kong being, you know, whether it be for the Rugby Sevens or for different events that were going on, Hong Kong could, could be an incredibly vibrant place and a big draw for people around the world. You know, flights, I mean, I'm in BC, there have been very few flights, obviously, to Hong Kong of late. There seems to be a lot of work to be done to try to bring Hong Kong back, uh, even yeah, well, to a semblance of what yeah. it was like. Hong Kong has been so isolated now for the last several years. There has been, there is currently no airmail service between Hong Kong and North America. You know, uh, oh. Hong Kong and Canada, Hong Kong and the United States, no airmail service. You, you send out a letter, it takes three months to get there. <laughs> And uh, uh, up until this month, May, uh, no non-Hong Kong residents were allowed to come to Hong Kong. Uh, they just they just lifted this ban on foreigners coming to Hong Kong. So it, it's become a very different place, uh, largely because of COVID. And they are they've been following 
China's zero COVID policy. And now, uh, China insists that it's going to continue, but I see that the World Health Organization just came out today uh, and said and told China that COVID uh, has changed and China has to change with it, that they cannot continue with the zero COVID policy. <laughs> and I'm waiting to see how China responds to the World Health Organization. Uh, but uh, Hong Kong, if it wants to be an international business hub, uh, you know, a financial center, it cannot cut itself off from the rest of the world. Uh, Carrie Lam at one time said that uh, the rest of the world together is less important to Hong Kong than China. That is, at, as long as Hong Kong and China didn't need the rest of the world. Uh, nobody, she's not saying that now, and John Lee certainly doesn't say that, uh, because without the rest of the world, Hong Kong is nothing. Hong Kong is just another Chinese city. And China doesn't want that. China wants Hong Kong to be uh, a major business hub. That's, that's how China can make use of Hong Kong. So Hong Kong needs China, and it needs the international community as well. So it, it needs both. And John Lee has this, uh, and he knows this, he's talked about it, this uh, job of trying to reopen Hong Kong's doors not only to China but to the rest of the world. And he will have to have uh, people working with him uh, with that objective in mind. So along with security, they know that uh, for the sake of Hong Kong's future and also uh, for the development of China, they need Hong Kong to return to being an international hub. Frank Ching, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, I look forward to visiting Hong Kong again one day. Oh, well, I hope you do, and I hope you know, to meet you at that time.